the whole tradition of disguise, again, you have it here, we have it in the straw boys, this whole emphasis on not being recognised. And, of course, the straw boys, when I say that, and we're also talking about women nowadays because women are part of the tradition, even though in the past it would have been men that dressed up, women dress up now as well. But the whole emphasis is on non-recognition as you go into the home. And, of course, there is an interesting thing that the mask itself confers on the, on the person dressed up it confers a certain freedom there are social freedoms involved in being disguised uh, to do acts that are beyond the social norm The straw boy tradition, it occurs predominantly, for example, in, say, areas like Mayo, Roscommon, Leitrim, coming across Ireland in a band towards Louth, um, through the Midlands, down then south, uh, not really in the Dublin Wicklow area, but down in Wexford, then across sort of into Kilkenny, Tipperary, over to Clare, um, where it's very much part of the living tradition, and down into Limerick, areas of Limerick. Then there are outliers sort of in Cork and Kerry. It wouldn't seem to be that prominent in the peninsulas, in some of those peninsulas like the Bear Peninsula in Cork and that. Also, you don't get it interesting in South Galway, and uh, it doesn't happen, for example, on the Aran Islands. Uh, they're new now, they might be too tight in the head. That's a good decent one, they're new. A Dermot one. Dermot one. Have you the bottom knocked out of that, Pat? No, I tried Mertie and Peel. Have you any particular method of doing it? If I had a nail, I would. A nail? Ah, you just drop. If you had a four-inch nail and drop it down, and just keep like that, it'll go down and it'll knock the bottom straight out of the bottle. Okay. Yeah. But when the bottom comes out of it, then how do you get it actually to blow? Well, I don't know then. Yeah, because I took the bottom out of a plastic bottle today and failed to get it to make any noise. Oh, well, a pl- plastic one wouldn't blow anyway. Would it blow midden? Yeah. You want a yeah. bit of hat? You want yeah. a bit of it? Yeah. That's a new one now, it might be tight. I'll be perfect. Fine. Are you sure now? Yeah, it'll hold it for a thing and it might, might, be, might be too tight on you. I'm more here, Dermot. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, of course, it's very difficult for us to find any point of origin uh, around a lot of these traditions, but it is important to see the strawberries, which happens at the occasion of the wedding time, um, which is a rite of passage in a person's life. It's one of these traditions that surrounds, if you like, threshold time in a person's life. Now, we have similar uh, traditions of disguise and of mumming's disguise and going around houses and forms of luck perambulation. We get that at Halloween, for example. In our tradition, we get it at, at the Wren, during the Wren Day, uh, St. Stephen's Day. We get it um, at the Christmas mumming tradition in Ulster or in, many par- in other parts of Ireland as well. And so it is part of a kind of a typology of mumming, of entering houses. Again, it would seem to be something that is very ancient within the folk tradition within uh, Ireland and within continental Europe in general um, may go back to some ancient forms of ritual, of rites, possibly pre-Christian rites of fertility, of luck bringing into the home from the wider community. I used to see
year up the chapel and we went to Sunday Mass. It was the um, the month of June, and there was very little darkness, lots of daylight, and it was daylight when the straw men came, and it was daylight when they were going. There were a bunch of local local boys, very young captain we had at the time. He was only twenty one, and he was a very good captain, and he, he kept the the talk and the chat going strong and a bit of dancing and uh, when when we came out in the morning then all the straw hats were thrown up on our porch and they were there and had to be swept down by my young sister-in-law she was up on the porch sweeping down the straw hats that's my memory of the straw hats and in 1945 yes but um, you were at a, a wedding in the old days when it wasn't... Did the strawman come to that one down in Callahan's? Oh, they did. Where you still remember... That was a nice story. Where you still remember the man that sang. Oh, yes. I, I was only, when I was only nine years, I was at a, a wedding, a, a neighbour's wedding here. And um, that was the first time I saw the strawman coming in. And the young people were afraid of them. They ran away afraid. They thought they were going to be killed when they saw these wild men coming in. And the man, of course, uh, the foreman there took over and he did all the talking and he was a great man. Uh, he was the boss of the whole place while he was in the house. So the young people were afraid of him. But um, they sang a song then. He sang... Uh, the man himself, this man that was given out all this talk, said Captain. he's sing a song. Captain. Molly Bon, why leave me pining? Our lonely waiting here for you. That was the song he sang, and it, it was a very old song. And uh, then he asked someone to sing, and the best man said he'd sing, so he sang The Daring Girl from Clare. And it was lovely. He made a lovely job, but it was a lovely song. And how you remember what he wore and how he stood up. Oh, yes, he had a lovely navy blue suit and a white shirt and a red tie. I never forgot the the, the man singing the song. He was a local man that I knew, you see. And um, he was beautifully dressed and I never forgot that uh, performance. It was grand. But I really was scared of the, of the strawman at that time. Because you couldn't know them and you couldn't know who... Some of them had their faces done with polish, black polish. If they hadn't enough hats. Some of them had hats and some of them hadn't hats. And there must be about 14 or 15 at the minute. There was a lot of young fellas about at the time. And they took over the whole place for, for a full hour or that more than... That was 1925, was it? That was 1924. Yeah. Be 1924, that wedding was. Are we right, lads? Okay. All set. 
To the bride and groom. We've marched across the mountains to greet this happy pair. He with the head of lovely curls, and she with her face so fair. Their children will be handsome. It's plain for all to see, and we hope it won't be very long till they're bouncing on your knee. We wish you health, we wish you joy. We wish you first a baby boy. And when his hair begins to curl, we wish you then a baby girl. And when he's fit to feed a lamb, may there be another in the pram. We're losing a teacher in the school, so do your bit for Cluna Code. You know your duty, so do the deed. A half a dozen is all we need. <laughs> if they play football, t'would suit us grand, but let ye never move to Tula Strand. <laughs> we wish you luck all through your life. As you travel, on as man and wife, may your door be open to neighbour and friend, and may you be happy to the end. Okay, now I'll call on number one for a song. Number one, please. I am bidding farewell to the land of my youth and the home I love so well. And the mountains grand on my own native land, I am bidding them all farewell. With an aching heart I'll bid them adieu, for tomorrow I leave at the dawn. O'er the raging foam, for to seek a home on the shores of America. 
It's not for the want of employment I'm gone, and it's not for the love of him. That fortune's bright might shine over me, or give me a glorious name. It's not for the want of employment I'm gone, or the wearier stormy sea. But to seek a home for my own true love on the shores of America. And when I am bidding my last farewell, sure the tears like rain will blind. To think of my friends in my own native land and the home I'm leaving behind. And if I'm to die on a foreign land and be buried so far, far away, no fond mother's tears will be shed o'er my grave on the shores of America. So girls and boys sing a last rousing song, for tomorrow I leave at the dawn. Or the raging foam for to seek a home on the shores of America. What we can say about the straw boys is that we look at certain elements, like, like the other traditions that I mentioned, certain elements in them, that they are very ancient in themselves. For example, if we take the straw, the use of straw, this is something that we know in, in disguise. This is something we know that occurs occurred in many traditions throughout Europe uh, from earliest times. And straw, interestingly enough, uh, occurs in all those other occasions I mentioned, the, the use of straw outfits. And straw has, a, has an ancient significance and connection with fertility, for example. Um, if you take, say, uh, in Irish, we talk about own am ahonic may erin top from the time that I came to the straw, which is from the time that I was born. The word sup in Irish is the word for straw, and these, of course, straw boys are also known as the suppers in some areas. And uh, straw is obviously central to them, given their name. But this thing of the straw being associated with the fertility, possibly, and with, for example, uh, traditions around St. Bridget, we make the cross out of rushes, we make the cross out of straw. <laughs> In, for example, parts of the Nordic tradition, we, we, have, we refer to the midwives as the straw mothers. 
again, looking at the straw boys, if we take, for example, um, some of those other occasions, I mentioned Christmas mumming in, in Ulster in particular, where you get a character called Jack Straw, who appears in the, as a central character in the play that, that's enacted. And this character is associated in that play with the whole death, uh, and with the death of somebody and then with the resuscitation of that person. And again, this death rebirth is again this association possibly with this ancient connection of straw with life and of course straw was laid down at the birthing place that women traditionally didn't just give birth in bed they gave birth in a straw bed on the floor as I sit here by my fireside, it's the autumn of my life. And the darling girl I met that day, she is now my darling wife. We have a lovely daughter and a son to push my yoke. And it's all because I raised my hat to the old Dungarvan home. Lay down your woolen shawl, me love I swear it is no joke. And I'll tell you the story of the old Dungarvan Worked hard to take and 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 make the hats, and uh, then we had to some of them had to captain the team and went off purging maybe uh, maybe had a roughly a mile or something like that, but it was walking, and uh, we also had to you see that have a bottle with them that had blew into that could be heard a mile or two miles away. Now, how the, the had to be the bottom had to be taken out of the bottom, and what to do? They put in, in a small drop of water into the bottle, and they leave it beside the fire on a few coals. And when it would get hot and the water get hot, the bottom it would shoot outward, and that then could be heard. You'd hear that a mile away. Now it isn't like everyone. You'd nearly want to to be used to the knack of blowing into it to make that whistle or that sound. But that could be heard a mile away. And then there might be there might be other ones, you know, other ones coming to the house too, you know. And it often happened that the, the two sets met and sometimes had a fallen out, you know, to see who'd get in because... You could the houses that time weren't that big, and they were uh, they wouldn't accommodate what well, was tight and accommodate the crowd they had in it without having twenty or thirty more going in. You know, so that was the setup. That I know there was a case across the mountain there where some girl was getting married, and she was from from this area, you know, and she was getting married, and some of the boys went down to with the straw the night of the reception in the house and um, they nearly lost their lives when they saw those men coming you know 
the thought that came to beat up the bridegroom something and the, they got an awful start but after a while somebody got to know who they were and so when they did the hats had to come off and so they were enjoyed to the bullet. thing is that noise making is part again occurs at a lot of these uh, if you like uh, rites of passage in our own lives but also at the at the different calendar occasions in the year and again it's to do with these threshold times and in a way it's interesting that they assemble just a short way from the house and begin this noise as they come to the house and it's against this announcement of if you like this arrival of these sort of strange other world creatures these these unknown unrecognizable people uh, it's announcing the look it's announcing if you like the arrival of this and it's also to do with in a sense disturbance because noise disturbs as well and it's it also represents the uncontrollable these straw boys can't be controlled god knows what they're going to do and so the noise says well here we are we've arrived Masking confers a certain freedom, and part of that is the whole sense of revelry uh, in disguise. And this would be uh, to do with the elements of the carnivalesque. And if you look at all the traditions throughout the world of masking, you get this carnivalesque, this inversion of the world order happening through them. So one of the things that will come in, say, to the straw boys, and it comes into the Halloween dressing up, and it comes into other... the Wren, its traditions of disguise, is this thing of doing something that's beyond the ordinary, representing something that is not just normal behaviour. So therefore you get an inversion of men would dress up as women and women disguise as men. And um, then you have this interaction between the sexes, the disguised sexes. Um, so you have this sort of permission at this magical time, at this threshold time, at this time of marriage, there's permission given to do the abnormal. That not only is it we're entering the house boundaries, and that's an, an abnormal thing, we're demanding entry, but we're also giving ourselves permission to dress up to disguise to do something out of the ordinary. And it, it confers, of course, great, it's great crack, it's great fun. I have myself disguised on the Iron Islands as, on, in Ishmore and Orden as an adult Halloween geyser and it is an extraordinary experience it confers a tremendous freedom so uh, I could un- perfectly understand the straw boys or straw girls as they may be called and their sense of freedom that would go with that and sense of madness that comes with, with the sense of doing unusual things and of course part of that is that you can then if you're say a married man you're permitted to take out whoever you want dancing for example you can take up the oldest woman in the house, you can take up the youngest woman in the house, you can take up a woman that's married that you wouldn't normally dance with. You know, if you're a single man, you can take up whoever you like. If you're a married woman, if you're a single woman dressed, you can. there's a certain freedom conferred on you in, in that. 
Gelegen has a daughter and her name is Marianne. She's as fine a bit of a lass your eyes have seen. Proud as punch as I to meet her and me coming home from mass. And her figure was like the wind of the green. I love Mickey McGilligan's daughter and she says she loves me too. Sure, that's enough for any single man. So I think a chance me harm. I can't do so very much harm. And to marry Mickey McGilligan, Marianne. Well, her feet, they are like battleships. There's one going east and west. Her face is like a Carolina moon. She doesn't use a powder puff. In fact, I'll tell you, boys, that she shovels on the powder with a spoon. Mickey McGilligan is a farmer with 27 cows, a pretty lot of banners and an ass. And he told me confidentially the donkey would be mine, and he'd do for driving Mary Ann to mass. I love Mickey McGilligan's daughter, and she says she loves me too. Sure, that's enough for any single man. So I think a chance me harm, I can't do so very much harm, and to marry Mickey McGilligan, Mary Ann. All the boys around the neighborhood are jealous of myself. Sure, that's a nasty trick for any man. But you'll see them all to smile when I'm walking down the aisle, and me marry to Mickey McGilligan, Mary Ann. I love Mickey McGilligan's daughter, and she says she loves me too. Sure, that's enough for any single man. So I think a chance me harm, I can't do so very much harm. And to marry Mickey McGilligan's Mary Ann. <laughs> <laughs> For me garden it was beautiful, I'll have you all to know. But I lost it to a creature that is called the Hartley Oh, she's dynamite Hartley. I planted and I plotted it, so I dug it over twice. I wrote to Jerry Daly and he sent me good advice. A mixed herbaceous border will make a lovely show. I remembered all the fancy names but forgot the horny o Oh, she's just the sort of creature girls that nature did intend to walk through any fence or hedge she'll drive you round the bend. <laughs> Nor will the stone wall keep her out, I'll have you all to know. The finest woolly jumper is the horny o <coughs> Lupins and azaleas were doing very well. I love the blue hydrangeas and the sweet peas, lovely smell. My auntie in the convent sent a lovely peony rose. 
And she said, I'll come to visit to see how your garden grows. I he thought organic veggies would be interesting to try. I had cures for potato blight and for the carrot fly. I had onions, I had lettuce, I had cabbage in a row. But there's no successful cure for the hornio. Or she's just the sort of creature else that nature did intend to walk through any fence or head, she'll drive you round the bend. Nor will the stone wall keep her out, I'll have you all to go. The finest woolly jumper is the hornio. My auntie came to visit me the first fine day in spring. But the sheep upon the mountain were thinking the same thing. The nun let out some curses that would make a sailor blush. And she saw the horny youth about her peony bush. Oh, I struggled on at Kernan for another year or two. I was the greatest customer the garden center knew. But it's time to contact Ready Mix and let the concrete flow. I surrender to the power of the bloody army. <laughs> Also, the disguise represents, if you like, the world that we cannot control. It's wild world. It's the world of nature. It's the other world. This unknown world coming in that we're not totally in control. Here we are now, back in our home. We're married, but we're, you know, and this is our family home. But our boundaries, before we're able to draw our boundaries totally around our home, we have to, you know, we have to be able to let them go. We have to be able to invite in the unknown guests. And these straw boys as well represent this unknown. They, they represent traditionally, in our tradition, the, the strangers in the community, those that have not been invited formally to the wedding, are permitted to enter into, into the home through this tradition. They represent the wider community. And the wider community are saying, OK, you're married now, but we're coming as well in a way to honour your marriage and to wish you luck, but also we're sort of asking for your hospitality as well. And we're not just asking for it, we're demanding it. We're coming in, and they may never have a right to do that at any other time, but at this time, when you're going to be accepted into the community, well, you have to give us something in return as well to the wider community, to the strangers as well. Yeah, that would mean, yeah. I think you have, you know, but we we'll different people at some Married life, yes. Well, if you have um, uh, sympathy with your partner, sympathy is a thing that you don't expect to hear, word you don't expect to hear at a wedding day. But um, looking back over down all the years, I think this would be a thing that would uh, be very important and keep keep people happy all their years. If each one has sympathy for the others. Difficulties and appreciation of the efforts and the blunders to make, and uh, to to um, have that um, attitude, uh, which isn't um, is that easy really. But um, yes, that would be it. Let them to have um, uh, an understanding and a, and a care for the others. Uh, effort, general, get on. Yeah.
I think if, if people had that, it would make each other happy from, from youth to old age. I think they would. Yes. Thank you, Seven. A big hand for Seven, please. Okay. Is Nathan Malarkey in the house? Nathan Malarkey? Francis. Here, here. Francis. Francis. Is Nathan here, no? <laughs> okay, while Nathan is getting ready, we'll have number one to recite a poem written by Johnny Carroll for the, especially for the occasion. So Nathan, be getting ready there. Thank you, Captain. <laughs> here we go, the fine romance. Now where does two but like to play questions so profound in some leafy flowery lanes or in the school playground? <laughs> to Banada he likes to come, there Cubit oft times been, lately wounded Tobin's Ray and Johnston's fair Kathleen. Her lovely face looked troubled, she could not understand why boys had to come to woo her from all around this fertile land. But her heart it did not give them, she sent them all away. Still her heart was far the taking, is asked for by young Ray. Wise Mammy gently counselled, you may soon forget, there's lots of boys and lots of joys in this land you have not met. So Kathleen of the pious heart, for guidance knelt to pray, but the holy family did quickly fade to be replaced by handsome Ray. <laughs> School days soon are over. There opens wide life's road. Each one must tread its highway. Each one must bear its load. To Sister Mary and England's shore, she did sail away. Was this the final parting of Kathleen and her Ray? No, we say. <laughs> <laughs> but when Cubit, he will make the call... The heart cannot say no. He will twin you with the one he'll choose, wherever your steps may go. So back to Dublin she did sail one fine summer's day. And her footsteps he did gently guide till she met again with Ray. Oh. They talked about the good old days, about their old school class, including Gabriel Murphy, now Father Gabriel celebrating Sunday Mass. <laughs> they promised in to visit him without more delay and the visits they came often from young Kathleen and young Ray Father Gabriel being a kindly man he smiled at them and said will you let me tie the knot for you the morning you are wed but we still have not gone courting never mind to name the day <laughs> they answered with a shock thus began the courtship of Kathleen and her darling Ray May their summers all be long and life be fresh and green. For Thurnet Log's rugged ray and Mullon's fair Kathleen. <laughs> May you enjoy a long and happy life together, Johnny Carroll. Okay, is Nathy ready yet? Nathy Malerke? Is he even here? Oh, let's hear from him sing, so. Okay, we'll have number um, number nine. It'll play a selection box. And I'm afraid we'll have to go on that. Especially if you're for the right angle. Hey, hey, round the house. I've got a neighbor in the love for you. 
We're throwing this hat up, put up on the roof, full custom, good luck, fertility, all that goes with it. So here it goes, up she goes, go on, give her a big cheer and then we're off now.
Sorry, sorry. Who is? Ha.